Hey there, I'm Janie Budnick, the pet sitter guru and founder of Pet Biz Hive and Pet Biz MBA. The Pet Biz Hive podcast is a space for pet business owners to still get all those things done while getting some tips and business education in their ears. So pop in an earbud and get ready for the buzz. Hello and welcome to this week's Tip Tuesday. You know, I wanted to follow up on last Friday's podcast where I talked about the wonderful joys of quiet quitting and quiet firing and just follow up a little bit more about that quiet firing. I know I was pretty direct there saying that I thought uh, quiet firing was a complete retaliative cop out, basically. Uh, But I didn't really go much more into it. So I wanted to spend some time this week talking about how you can avoid that in your business. I have had people working with me in my business now for 24 years. Of course, I started my business in 1997, hired in my first independent contractor in 98. I had contractors from 1998 until 2012, and I've had employees since then. So I've had employees now for a little over 10 years. And definitely in that last 10 years, I have learned a lot about who you have to be to be an employer and a leader of a business, especially a business like ours where we do not see each other every day. We cannot watch the actual work that is being produced by our employees. So that brings its own set of challenges with not only making sure that they are being held accountable for the work that they are completing, but also that we are being held accountable to being good employers and communicators. So I wanted to just chat with you a little bit about some of the things that I have learned over that period of time and how we have best been able to apply it in our pet business. So first of all, direct communication. I have absolutely learned the importance of direct communication. Now I do feel like the advancement into using texting and Messenger is great, especially for a very task-oriented direct introvert like I am because I don't have to surround some of the things that I say in the niceties of social communication. I can just shoot off a quick text to somebody without preliminary or without anything else, and I can just, boom, there is what I need to have done. Thank you. Uh, But... Texting and emailing just really needs to stop right whenever there is an issue with an employee. It just does not work in a disciplinary kind of situation. Whenever we text, uh, even even emailing in some situations, uh, definitely Messenger, any kind of text format, There is so much that is left to word interpretation. Uh, I find this myself. Many times I will send an email to someone, most recently my software company, and the email I get back somehow has been interpreted completely differently than what I intended. So whether that was the lack of clarity in my own email or interpretation on the receiver's end, you just do not want something like that to happen when you are dealing with an issue in your own pet business. 
There is word interpretation. Of course, the difference between that type of communication and impersonal communication, you are missing inflection. You are missing body language. There are so many things in there that you miss. You might as well just, you know, blindfold somebody and tell them to go take care of pets because there is so much in communication that is is missed within, you know, interpretation and being able to read into the words. Um, another thing that I have noticed, and I do this myself, um, when I am, because I am such a direct person, when I send my little texts, put little emojis in there. I have seen many of those messages, especially on social media, people, where someone will say something and then they will put a little emoji afterwards, uh, you know, those passive aggressive things like you do you um, and I'm just fine. Um, really, communication has just uh, denigrated to that point in social media where an emoji is pretty much the equivalent of the Southern, bless your heart, right? Um, yep. It's not necessarily your intention that comes out whenever you use this kind of communication with your employees. It's all about the interpretation. It is how they receive it. Now, definitely when you are dealing with issues and conflicts in your company, Disciplinary conversations in person are the most important. And it's really a big fear for some business owners. Uh, many of us have non-confrontational personalities. A lot of pet business owners are naturally nurturers who don't want to disappoint others and they don't want to hurt feelings. So this makes it really challenging. And we've painfully learned over the years, um, honestly, by really creating some shit shows, uh, we, have, we have learned that employees are our most valuable asset and they should be treated with respect no matter what the circumstances are. Now, I told you, I am, I am a data, I am a task-oriented person, and I have realized that I cannot just look at the data when I'm dealing with people. I have to bring the human into it, uh, which is a challenge for me. Um, it's also a challenge for my general manager because she deals with the day-to-day -day issues along with the operations manager of, you know, the, the times that things fall apart when policies are not followed. She feels that frustration. She is, is also very much a data person. Fortunately, we have been able to bridge that gap with our HR manager because she brings the people into it. That is her focus in the company. And so anytime we do have those types of issues, we always involve her in it because we know that she is going to keep us people oriented and not so much task oriented. You need to have a written disciplinary procedure so you can be consistent between all of your employees. You don't want to hold one employee to one standard and then have something different for another employee just because you don't have it specifically documented. You need to have clear definitions for the reasons for discipline. This is usually going to be located in your employee handbook under its own section. You want to have... 
uh, guidelines for how you document any kind of disciplinary procedure and how you do escalate those. Uh, that there are really crystal clear steps in your process. You don't want to completely catch an employee off guard if you are documenting just in your office when something happens and you let it build and build and build to the point where you just blow up and completely burn the bridge and dismiss an employee when it could have been better handled and that relationship could have been salvaged. Many times there will be an employee that um, has a breach in your policies or procedures and you mention that to them and how you would like for them to operate in the future. And then it might happen a second time. Honestly, if there is a second time that the same thing happens and you did clearly communicate the first time, you do want to bring them in. You want to have that face-to-face. You do not want to just leave it to a message by text, by email, in your software, or wherever. You want to communicate to that employee the why, why you have that policy. They need to understand the why because that will connect them better to the what. They will understand better how that issue is such a concern for your business. You want to also make sure that you have a very consistent place to document. Uh, I am also a registered nurse, so I adopt many of the things uh, from the actual human nursing field. Uh, One of those is the SBAR, S-B-A-R. It is a way to document any of these issues. You want to document first the situation. Uh, The B is you want to uh, put in the background. That would be any of the information, of course, uh, about the clients and any previous issues that this employee has had. Uh, Your assessment of the situation, which would, of course, um, be whether or not you uh, had the employee come in, what that result was. And then, of course, R is for recommendation, how you are going to move forward with that employee, say, Uh, that there was an agreement that that employee is going to be uh, back on software message approvals. And over the next month, um, the recommendation is to, you know, observe and make sure that that employee stays compliant. So again, that's the SBAR, S-B-A-R. It is just a clear and consistent way to document any employee issues. So that's your situation, background, assessment, and your recommendation. It's interesting how uh, many times things that come from one industry apply very well to another industry, right? And of course, with those SBARs, you know, have one of those every time there is an issue. You need to have that in a written form. Like I said, if you have messages through the system, print off the email, put it in their employee file. Uh, If you have a note section in your software, enter it in there. You want to have a very complete employee file in case there is ever a need for termination and um, a possible situation of claiming for unemployment. Now, for those of you that have not had a situation with unemployment yet, or if you have independent contractors or you are solo looking to build a team, uh, just a little nutshell about the unemployment process. So of course, everyone has their um, 
S-U-T-A, their SUTA uh, tax that is paid on your employees. Uh, with every paycheck, you pay into your state's unemployment office. And so you kind of have a bank that grows at the unemployment office. Each state has their own percentage rate that you are going to be paying for your employees. Uh, it's going to be very, very different considering where the state wants to start. And then you have an experience rating year over year of um, how much you are going to be charged for the following year based off of the amount of your bank that has been used, uh, much like an escrow account with a mortgage. They want to keep it at a, at a certain level in case you do get an unemployment claim. And in an unemployment process, let's say you do terminate an employee and they do file for unemployment, you are going to get a letter from your state that is going to tell you the employee that filed for unemployment, and it will typically give you a certain amount of time to respond and challenge that. Most states will have where you can send in a letter or you can challenge it online. And if you're going to challenge it, the number one thing that you need to have is documentation. If this is an employee who left voluntarily, you need to have um, documentation that they have left voluntarily. So I always recommend if you have an employee that says, hey, just want to give my two weeks, my last day is going to be on such and such a date, immediately ask them to send you an email that states that or a message through your software system. So that is trackable. It is in their own words that they are going to be resigning. And that will, in most cases, uh, handle that situation. Now, in cases of involuntary termination, you absolutely want to have that documentation to show what your company uh, disciplinary policies and procedures were and how you did follow that and the specific reason that this employee was terminated. Of course, it does have to be a legit reason, right? So um, you do want to have that clearly written out because that is the way that you can challenge an unemployment uh, claim. Uh, I can say that many times the states are siding with the employee. That would be pretty standard in any state, but um, I cannot think of one recently that has been an issue, at least not in the last five to seven years. I haven't had a lot, but definitely through the pandemic situation, there were several, um, but there were not any that we challenged and had any further issue with. We were clearly able to document going through these different um, procedures. Uh, just a little quick definition there, voluntary and involuntary. It might be self-explanatory, but just to make sure everyone understands your voluntary termination. This, this happens a lot in our industry. It really, it should be expected. In most of our companies, this is a bridge position. It's a stepping stone position. It's, it's a Starbucks position, not a mortgage position. You know, we're, we're giving them part-time supplemental income. Uh, some of us might actually be building careers for our industry. So we might have, you know, some of our employees that are full-time and this is their career. Um, but you, you definitely, need to understand that you are going to have a flow of in and out of employees as 
they move on from the position as they graduate from college and move and get a job or uh, they end up getting a full-time job in their field and this was in between or perhaps this was a part-time supplemental income uh, evenings and weekends and they don't have that need anymore or they have a baby I mean there are so many different things so you need to of course determine on these voluntary terminations uh, make sure again you have a complete employee file you are responsible for maintaining that employee file even after they are gone and just a little tip for the future mark down on there the circumstances of their voluntarily leaving and whether or not you would rehire them in the future we have had employees that have been been gone for five years that come back to us so always have that as a potential consideration, whether or not they would be eligible for rehire down the road. And then, of course, your involuntary terminations. These are the people that are just not a good fit. They don't fit your company culture. And the kind thing to do is to show them the door because their gifts will be better served elsewhere. Right? You get what I mean there? Now, of course, in these situations, you have to make sure that you are protected. There is a lot you need to consider before you pull that trigger. You need to make sure that you have a procedure in place to be protected if they have keys, if they have company property, uh, if it's an involuntary termination and you have uh, lock boxes, you need to make sure that you have a procedure in place to make sure those clients are potentially protected if the employee had the ability to access and um, remove any information, especially if it is a security risk is the reason that you are terminating. You do want to make sure that any of those involuntary terminations are done in person. You do need to call them in the office and you need to have a second person present in the room. This is not a time to be emotional. It's just a very cut and dry. It is, you know, here are the circumstances. Because of these circumstances, we are terminating your employment effective immediately. Um, and, you know, finish up that process there. It can be from experience, an awful experience, a stressful experience. It's not a reason to not have employees ever. Uh, just because on the rare occasion this happens, um, we have had two of these that were very poor experiences, but we have had more involuntary terminations with that. We have found that if you are clear in your policies and you are a good communicator and that you have a really effective hiring funnel in the first place, that these situations are few and far between. Now, anytime employees leave, whether it's voluntary or involuntary, this is a really great time for reflection. Uh, reflecting by yourself, um, if you are you know, running a smaller company or with your team, if you have any managers or assistant managers. Really seriously think about um, the circumstances leading up to this termination. Was there anything that you could have done as a person or as a team to prevent this? Are there any policies or procedures that perhaps you need to change? It's always a good time for reflection. So you can determine if there is anything that you could have done better in the future, even 
perhaps the way that you um, that you ended it. Maybe you realized you know you could have handled that asset better. Um, so just a really great time for you to to sit back and really think through that process to make sure that you're more effective the next time it comes up. You know, I can definitely assure you just because there are challenges in hiring, that doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. Businesses that have so much to offer their community should grow to be able to provide for the need. If your pet business is well-respected, if you're authentic, if you're principled, Uh, you really have a darn near obligation to your community to make things better for the pets. Uh, Those that say, well, that's why I'm solo. Anytime they hear about staff challenges, they're either speaking out of fear or they just don't fit that mold, right? Not everyone is meant to be an employer. Of course, the beauty is there are some fantastic resources that we have in our own pet industry to assist you in your growth and any of the challenges you might have with employees. Uh, There are even some fantastic resources. If you've had ICs, but you're considering transitioning, it's just amazing the wealth of knowledge out there. Uh, Certainly you can drop me an email at petsitterguru at gmail.com if you need to get in touch with some of these resources because you're having some issues. Um, And of course, if you have been considering transitioning from ICs to employees, but you just have concerns or fears about doing that or concerns that it's going to be more expensive, any of that, uh, we do have resources to help you with that. And I can tell you the time is now. It is January the 10th and you want to change from ICs to employees in the beginning of a calendar year. You do not want to, at the end of a year when you file your taxes, have one single social security number that you are sending both a 1099 and a W-2 for, because you will be caught by your state and you will be audited. I know that from experience. So you do always want to transition from independent contractors to employees at the beginning of a calendar year, right? So um, I'm actually working with uh, several companies right now that are in the process of doing that. Let me know if you might need any help to get things handled quickly here at the beginning of the year. But hopefully some of this has helped you out as you're considering some of the challenges of having employees and understanding how to communicate to them, how to develop your own disciplinary program, and how to implement that so you are taking the best care of your assets, which are your employees. Thank you for listening today. You know, I will be back on Friday. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pet Biz Hive. You can follow me at Pet Biz Hive on both Facebook and Instagram and learn more at PetSitterGuru.com. What is your next best move?